Guardian Unlimited. Are there questions to the Prime Minister? Robert Flello, number one, Mr Speaker. M Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Albert Flello. Mr. Speaker, despite a decade of economic stability, low inflation and low interest rates, my constituents... Thank you. My constituents... Let the Honourable Gentleman give, give his good news. The Honourable Gentleman... Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Despite those achievements, my constituents are now understandably concerned about how, it might, about how economic, global economic issues affect them. How does my right honourable friend feel these events compare to those of the early 90s when Britain was plunged into recession after recession? It is right that people are concerned about what's happening in the global economy and it's right that people want to know as a result of global financial turbulence, what will happen to our economy over the next few months. And that is why I'm pleased to say that yesterday, the inflation figures showed that our inflation was 2.1%, and that is half the inflation of America. And that's why I'm pleased to report also that today the employment figures showed that employment had risen by 175,000 in the last quarter. It is up by a quarter of a million over the year. Unemployment is down, the claimant count is down, inactivity is down. So under our government, unemployment down, employment up, the best employment record in history. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The, the government promised last year it would get back all of the taxpayers' money lent to Northern Rock. Can the Prime Minister tell us today the exact amount of both the loans and the guarantees, and will he repeat that pledge today, all of the taxpayers' money will be paid back? That is our intention, and if I may say so, if I may say so, I welcome the chance to bring the House up to date on what's happening on Northern Rock. Northern Rock shareholders, depositors, were let down by bad management. It was a bad business plan, and the Leader of the Opposition was good enough to say in September that he overwhelmingly supported our action. And let me say, the action that we have taken was, first of all, to ensure that there is stability in the economy. And to ensure stability, we said that we would secure the deposits of all depositors at Northern Rock, and we also said we would stand behind the company with support from the Bank of England. And in the next uh, few weeks, we are looking at the situation of how we can find buyers for Northern Rock. And I think, I think everyone in the House would say that we should rule out no option in doing so. And that is the right course of action to take. And I, I, would say, I would say to all members of the House, what comes first in this? We had to intervene to ensure stability so the instability of Northern Rock would not spread out across the economy. That is what we've achieved over the last four months. And the opposition should be supporting us, not criticising us. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I asked the Prime Minister a very specific question about the figures, and I think the taxpayer who is currently lending something like £1,800 each to this bank would like to have those figures confirmed in the House of Commons. It's been reported that the taxpayers exposed to the tune of £55 billion. That is £26 billion of emergency loans and £29 billion of guarantees. Will the Prime Minister confirm those specific figures? 
it's the Governor of the Bank of England who announces the figures every week for what is actually happening. But I have to ask the Leader of the Opposition. He said in September... Yes, Mr. Speaker. Order. Prime Minister's in order. Prime Minister. Order. 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 Wholeheartedly supported our action. He said it was right to inject liquidity in Northern Rock. Is he changing his mind? Order. Let, let the Leader of the Opposition answer the way he wants to answer. He doesn't have to answer the Prime Minister's question. <laughs> I asked the, question, the Prime Minister a very specific question about the figures, which he simply couldn't bear to read out. That is what taxpayers who are worried about supporting this bank and the extent of the support will be worried about. Let me ask the Prime Minister something else. At the time, at the time that the guarantee was given, was he advised that the level of taxpayer support could reach this huge level of £55 billion? Was he advised of that? Mr Speaker, I've said we'll do what is necessary to protect the stability of the economy. And I don't apologise for taking the action that is necessary because it's ensured the stability of the economy. Now, perhaps he will answer the question, does he still support our action? For once, I didn't ask the Prime Minister for an apology. I just asked him a straight question about the figures and whether he was advised about how bad it could be. And he won't give an answer, so we don't know whether he was advised that the taxpayer could be into the tune of £55 billion. Let me ask him another very specific question and see if he can answer this one. Can the Prime Minister give an assurance that the level of support required from the taxpayer cannot get any higher than £55 billion? Mr Speaker, it is precisely for that reason that we do not provide a running commentary on figures. And under any, under any government, including the previous government, it was not the practice to preempt what the Bank of England does, which has announced the figures itself. But I have to return to this point. We intervened to ensure stability in the economy, to ensure that Northern Rock would not spread across the economy to the rest of the financial system. We also intervene to protect the depositors. Both these objectives in the last four months have been achieved. Is he now telling me that from a position when he wholeheartedly supported that action, he is now against it? Yes or no? I'll tell you what you did. When it came to the need for a total guarantee of depositors, uh, deposits, you dithered and delayed. Yes. When it came... When it came to the opportunity of pushing for a sale with Lloyd's TSB, you dithered and delayed. And when, it came, and when it came to the advice that you were getting to sell this bank straight after the bank run, you dithered and delayed. Why did you dither and delay? Because you were planning a general election. No. Will the Prime Minister... Will the Prime Minister confirm that he received advice from his financial advisers to push for an immediate sale after the bank run? No, no, and there was no offer from Lloyd's TSB, as he alleges. And I think he should return to the substance of the issue. And the substance of the issue is, if we had not intervened to save Northern Rock, then there was a danger that that would spread across the whole economy. He supported us in doing that in September. Does he still support us now? If we had not intervened, the depositors would have lost their money. The depositors' money has been protected. He supported us in September on that. 
Does he support us now? I say we have taken the right consistent action in the interests of the stability of the economy to go backwards and forwards as he is doing would put the stability of the economy at risk. The, the, substance, the substance of the issue is it is his regulatory system, it is his bank failure, it is his dithering and it is his failure to actually deal with this issue. And in terms of the advice he was given, if it's the case, as he says, he wasn't advised for the immediate sale, can he explain why the Bank of England was quoted as saying he, is, he was unable to focus because morale throughout the government is so low? The fact is we've had months of dithering, billions of pounds of taxpayers' money is at risk, and does the Prime Minister accept that if nationalisation goes ahead, it will be a massive failure of government policy and a fresh chapter in the incompetence of this government? Mr Speaker, the Bank, the Bank of England supports our action, the Financial Services Authority supports our action, he used to support our action and not the Prime Minister speak. Mr Speaker, the Bank of England supports our action, the Financial Services Authority supports our action and the Opposition used to support our action. And if I may say so, I've looked at the policy of the opposition from Sunday to Wednesday. On Sunday, he said he was against nationalisation. On Monday at his press conference, perhaps by mistake, perhaps by mistake, he said we should look at nationalisation. On, Mon on Tuesday night, on Newsnight, the Shadow Chancellor said we should look at administration, which is a route to a fire sale of the assets. They change their position every day. The only change they represent is that they change their positions all the time. We are for stability. They would bring instability. Ian Davidson. Ian Davidson. Can I, could I ask the Prime Minister if he and the government uh, were aware of the plans of his predecessor to attend the conference of the main party, the French right, to announce his the candidacy for the presidency of the European Union as a, as a prelude to his candidacy for presidency of the world, the universe and everything. Uh, could, I, could I ask the Prime Minister whether or not he was in, view, in, in knowledge of this intended uh, candidacy at the time when his predecessor was negotiating the European Constitution? And does this not represent a conflict of interest? Uh, uh, my, my, my right honourable friend, uh, the former Prime Minister, is doing a wonderful job because he, he, is speaking up, he is speaking up for peace in the Middle East and any occasion that he gets to put forward his advocacy for peaceful settlement for the Middle East is one that I approve of him taking up and he was right to do so. Agile Waterson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. On New Year's Day, little Hermione Bateman was born 11 weeks prematurely. She is only alive today because of the expert prompt help she had from my local hospital. Is the Prime Minister aware that in 15 months' time, a baby like Hermione will have to be taken 21 miles to Hastings to access that sort of emergency care? Why are babies' lives being put at risk in this way? I'm aware of the issues that he raises, but I must say to him that the recommendations that have been made about the reconfiguration of maternity services have been made by the consultants on the ground, the clinicians on the ground, and they are in the interests of the safety of all patients, all mothers, and all daughters and sons that are born. 
and I hope on reflection he will look at the massive investment that we are making in the National Health Service, both in his area and in other areas. And if I may say so, there are six new hospital uh, developments in the whole of the region that he represents. There have been 7,000 new staff and, wait, and, wait, and waiting, times, waiting times, which were 30,000 for six months or more in 1997, are down to 57. That is what the health service is achieving. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Does the Prime Minister agree that the security of supply of electricity generation is a priority of any country's well-being and true independence? Can the Prime Minister assure me that the energy bill, which gets its second reading next Tuesday, will protect the Scottish economy from any political gerrymandering of the planning laws envisaged by the SNP administration in Edinburgh? Well, well my, my, my honourable friend uh, takes a big interest in these matters of energy. And of the big issues affecting these con this country, the availability of secure energy is what led to the Energy White Paper last week, to our decision on nuclear power, to our decision to extend uh, renewable sources of energy, to make ourselves less energy dependent on foreign sources of energy, and to cut the carbon that is used in energy. And all these decisions, I hope every part of the United Kingdom will feel able to support. Next flag. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker the, Royal the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors says that home repossessions will rocket this year by 50%, with one repossession every 12 minutes. What comfort can the Prime Minister offer the 45,000 British families who now face the prospect of losing their homes this year? Yeah. Well, what I can say to them is that we are determined to have low interest rates, and to have low interest rates, we've got to have low inflation. And to have low inflation, we've got to have a decent economic policy, which I'm afraid his party do not have. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, the reality is that it was under his watch that he allowed grossly irresponsible lending practices by banks to destabilise the housing market. Will he act now to ensure that mortgage lenders take their responsibility seriously and do more to stop evictions, or will he just sit there wringing his hands while British families lose their homes. I think he forgets that there are one and a half million more homeowners under a Labour government than there were before our government started. And we have extended home ownership to all regions of the country and to people who previously could not afford home ownership. I've been given, Mr Speaker, a copy of the dossier that has been prepared on the Right Honourable Gentleman. It was prepared, unfortunately, by the person sitting next to him, the Shadow Home Secretary. And he suggests that on every major economic issue, on every major economic and social issue, the leader of the Liberal Party has flip-flopped and keeps flip-flopping. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Following on from the point raised by the leader of the Liberal Democrats, is the Prime Minister aware of the very positive impact impact that this government's housing market renewal programme is having in former mining areas like Grimethorpe and Thurnscrew in Barnsley in my constituency and Mexbury in Doncaster in my constituency in terms of future housing provision. And does he agree with me that such a programme has to be built around the principle of community sustainability and against a backdrop of, sound, of, a, of a sound and stable economy that this government has provided for the last 11 years? I'm grateful to Monterey friend because in his constituency, as he says, and this is the answer to the Liberal Party, there's been massive housing investment and that housing investment will continue 
with a billion more in the next three years. And we are determined to remove substandard housing, to have more affordable housing and to extend home ownership. But that is only possible if we run a strong economy. And I say to all members of this House that to be the country that has managed to have low inflation at the start of this year, half that of America, and at the same time to see jobs expanding when unemployment is rising in America and in other countries, that is what gives me hope that our economy can withstand what is clearly global financial turbulence. Philip Dunn. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister has made clear that the Secretary of State for Work and Pensions is a dead man walking. So what arrangements is he making for a competency transplant? Mr Speaker, when it comes to the work of the Secretary for Work, unemployment is down. Employment is up. Single parents, more are in jobs. Incapacity benefit, less people are claiming benefit on incapacity. There are more long-term unemployed getting back to work. And since he became Secretary of Work and Pensions, there have been hundreds of contracts signed with local employers to get thousands of people back to work. And that's why I have confidence in what he is doing. Question six, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, we continue to monitor the humanitarian situation in Darfur. Four million people are dependent on food aid. Two million people have been displaced. Uh, 280,000 people have had to leave the country. We continue to work with the United Nations and the African Union to bring peace to this troubled region. David Taylor. Mr Speaker, the Darfur genocide is now entering its uh, sixth year. It's largely down to the United Nations Security Council, especially China, which has blocked or diluted efforts to stop the violence, leading the Khartoum regime to treat the United Nations African Union Mission in Darfur Protection Force with total contempt. Yeah. Can my right honourable friend say how he will tackle the continued failure of the United Nations to secure compliance with its own edicts and decisions so that the looming threat of withdrawal of humanitarian organisations like Médecins Sans Frontières can be avoided? I do praise my, my friend for his long-standing commitment and interest in the area of Darfur and the problems that people are facing. As I said a minute ago, these problems are appalling and run to hundreds of thousands of people who have been displaced or are now on aid. Uh, he mentions uh, China. I, I actually talked to the uh, Premier of China this morning about this very issue because I believe that China and the United Kingdom can work with other countries uh, to make sure that the government of Sudan uh, ensures that a ceasefire is properly administered, to bring in the African Union peacekeeping force, which is supported by the United Nations, 20,000 more peacekeepers, and to move to political talks that can bring a political settlement where all parties, including those parties that didn't attend the previous talks, are brought to the table. So I intend on my visit to China to continue these talks with Premier Wen so that all of us, including the Chinese government, add to the pressure for a peaceful settlement in Darfur. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister talks about low inflation, but the cost of living index is rising hugely. Food prices have gone up 7%, energy prices have gone up 15%, petrol products have risen by over 20%. Why is the rate of inflation running at a higher rate now than that his government inherited? Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's not. Inflation is 2.1%. I think, I, think, I think the Honourable Lady makes, makes a very important point. The energy prices have been rising, coal, oil and gas, by 60 to 80 percent in every part of the world. 
Food prices have been rising as a result of what's happened to the harbours. Therefore, it's all the more remarkable that our inflation is 2.1%, where it is 3% in euro area and 4%, and it's 4% in America on the same comparable index. And that's why we've been enabled to bring down interest rates over the course of the last uh, few months. And that's why in the euro area they've not been able to do so. So we approach the global financial turbulence with low inflation, low interest rates, high employment. And if we, if we can make the right long-term decisions on the economy, we can withstand the global financial turbulence. To say that oil prices and commodity prices are going up and we still have low inflation shows the achievement in getting inflation down. On Monday, the Prime Minister said he was very worried about the content of video and computer games. Some of those games, like Manhunt 2, depict scenes of torture and murder using hammers, knives and guns. They seem to make a virtue of gratuitous and graphic violence. Will he meet a delegation of members, including the Honourable Member for Canterbury, who has a private member's bill on this subject, to see what further steps the industry can take to show better responsibility? And does he as a parent agree with me? That this uh, order, uh, order. There, there are other honourable members who want to be called. My, my, honourable friend, uh, my right honourable friend is absolutely right that this is, this is an issue that concerns all parties in this House and concerns every parent in the country. And it's right that we look again at the classification system for these uh, games and we, lo we, we look at what's happening on the internet in influencing young children. That's why the Secretary for Children has set up the Byron Review, and Dr. Tanya Byron is looking at these very issues. We want children to be able to enjoy the benefits of the internet and video games without them being influenced by either the pornography or the violence of them. She will report in March 2008, and while it is uh, premature for me to say what she's likely to recommend, the classification system will be one of the things that she is looking at. And I hope when we get a report, we can have a debate in this House. I'll be very happy to meet his delegation uh, and move forward to whatever changes in the law are necessary. And to salute. Last Saturday, three children in my constituency had their grandmother murdered by their father, Gary Waddell, who then committed suicide after he had been granted bail for uh, having been charged with the murder of his wife, the mother of the children concerned. Could I please ask that the Prime Minister would ensure that this case is looked into so that lessons are learnt, so that no other family has to endure a similar tragedy? This is in, in, indeed uh, a set of tragic uh, circumstances uh, and almost very uh, difficult to, to contemplate uh, that someone was uh, let out on bail uh, and then uh, uh, apparently uh, murdered or is uh, alleged to have murdered his uh, mother-in-law and then uh, took his own life. The question then is why bail was uh, given. It is not in the power of the government to give bail. Of course, it is up to us to look at any laws affecting it. This was a decision of the judge. Uh, he set down an amount of money, but at the same time, of course, he probably took into account that the man was a policeman. But these are the things we've got to look at. If there are any changes in the law necessary, we will make them. Phil Wilson. Does my right honourable friend agree we can invest the £8.4 billion in the supply of social housing over the next three years because of this government's sound stewardship of the economy? Yeah. Which is very different to the Tory record, which, because of their neglect, left the £19 billion housing repair bill when they left office. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, I hope all parties will welcome the 50% increase in social housing that we are about to bring about by the measures that we are taking in the public spending review. And I hope particularly that young couples will benefit 
from the supply of both affordable housing uh, that is rented and affordable housing to buy. And I hope the opposition will reconsider their policy, which is opposing many of the housing measures that are intended to deliver more housing space for more people in this country. Susan Klemer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The plain speaking campaign today described the consultation on Heathrow expansion as atrocious and said these documents effectively take away human rights. No ordinary person could be expected to read and understand this. Would the Prime Minister please instruct his Department for Transport to withdraw the consultation until it can be written in comprehensible language? And would he tell both ministers and officials that it is a disgrace that none of them will attend a single public meeting on this crucial issue? Mr Speaker, she gives the impression that because of the wording of the document, she does not understand the issue at stake. The issue at stake is whether there is a new runway at Heathrow. Uh, the consultation is there for the public to involve themselves in it. I hope people will vigorously join the consultation and then a decision can be made. Link Hall. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Dalesbury Laboratory in my constituency has been carrying out world leading scientific research for 46 years. The innovation campus at Dalesbury now is a huge success in attracting science and high tech businesses and creating high quality jobs. Two reviews are about to take place, the Killock Review and the Light Source Review, both of which will have an impact on the future of Darsborough Laboratory. But the knee-jerk reaction of the Science and Technology Facilities Council to cut research grants by 25% and staff by 25% to meet an £80 million shortfall in their £1.9 billion budget has caused for real concern. I, order, I must stop the Honourable I, I think the Prime Minister... I must stop the Honourable Gentleman. It's too long. It must be briefer. Darsbury is a world-class facility. I'm very proud that we have in our country and in the northwest region such a facility and an innovation centre that is world-beating and path-breaking in its research. He is absolutely right that there are two reviews. One is the McKillop review that will consider how best we can meet the future needs of Darsbury. But I have to say to him that we've increased the amount of money spent on the Science and Technology Facility Council by 13% for the spending review period, and I hope we'll be able to see an expansion of the work that's done at Darsbury, which will be to the benefit of the whole country. Brian Binley. Yeah. Number 11, Mr. Speaker. Speaker Britain. My apologies. There are times when I'm on another planet. That was one of them. <laughs> Prime Minister assure us, will the Prime Minister assure us that Mr Stephen Carter, his chosen nominee for Northern Rock, has no residual interest whatsoever in Brunswick? Mr Speaker, uh, Mr Carter is not responsible for Northern Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Assure me that in years to come the NHS is going to reach out to my constituents <coughs> and 
advise them how to change their lifestyles so they can live healthier and longer lives. Mr. Speaker, let me, let me first praise the work of uh, my honourable friend uh, in uh, the work she does in the health service, particularly amongst uh, carers. And we attended a seminar on this very issue in Leeds on Friday, where carers were asking for us to do more to make their life uh, a lot better, particularly with respite care. As far as the uh, inequalities in life chances are concerned, the measures we are putting forward for checkups, uh, for screening, and for preventative vaccines so that people can identify the risks of heart and stroke disease in particular, but also cancer, are measures that will save lives and particularly in the lives of the communities that she's talking about. Edward Lee, what was the point of invading an Iraq which led to the deaths of 150,000 Iraqis just to hand over Basra to militant Shia militias whilst the army is holed up in the airport? Mr. Speaker, can I say that violence in Basra has gone down 90% over the last few months? That our troops in Basra are doing a great job because they are training the security forces of the Iraqi army and training the Iraqi police. And I think it is wrong for them to diminish the effect of building economic prosperity in the Basra area. And as for the invasion of Iraq in the first place, Saddam Hussein had offended United Nations resolutions and the international community for more than a decade. John Herpel. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I say, although I don't foresee any great demand for my kidneys or my liver, um, <laughs> can, I can I welcome the Prime Minister's proposals on human transplant? And can I say, on a much more serious note, can he act on this urgently? because people are dying as every day goes by, for lack of a donor. As my honourable friend uh, knows, uh, there is a report today about uh, organ uh, donations. That report will recommend means by which we can increase uh, the numbers of people who are prepared under the present system uh, to give their organs uh, in the event of dying to save lives. More than 1,000 people lose their lives each year as a result of there being no organs available for transplant. The proposal that may be worth discussion in, later in this year, when there is another report done on this very matter, is while people might opt out of organ donation, there will be a family veto on whether the organ donation can go ahead. That, I believe, would satisfy many of the religious objections, while at the same time ensuring that thousands of lives are saved as a result of organ donations being available. And I hope there will be all-party support for taking action. Speaker. Following the Government's recent naval base review, there is widespread concern at Devonport Naval Base in Plymouth that ships which are currently base-ported in Plymouth might well be moved over the next few years to Portsmouth. Can the Prime Minister reassure the workforce, workforce of the naval base today that their reward for generations of dedicated service to this nation's security will not simply be death by a thousand cuts? Well, Mr Speaker, as he knows, uh, Plymouth uh, will refit the Trident uh, submarine. Plymouth has an, a huge amount of work for the years ahead. A massive amount of investment has gone into Plymouth, and I can assure him of our commitment to the future of Plymouth uh, Dockyard. At the same time, I think he will realise that that is only possible because we are spending more on defence every year. We will continue to do so, and that depends on there being a healthy economy. Order. And there's more discussion of today's news every day from 12 noon on Newsdesk. That's Guardian Unlimited's daily news podcast at guardian.co.uk slash podcasts. Guardian Unlimited.